them. I pray that you have your Bible. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 is where our sermon is coming from this morning. You know, as I was sitting there and I was singing this morning, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I thought to myself, I said, God, there's just something different about being at church. Lord, I know we've got some at home that are watching right now, and we we miss them so much and are so thankful for them. But there is just a a, a feeling about being in church with God's people, and even with people that may be here this morning that, that, that is not a Christian. Maybe there's some here this morning that's never proclaimed Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. I hope you experience that today. If you're watching this morning and you've never been saved, I hope you can experience just by the way that we sing and the way that we love and the atmosphere that God creates, I hope you can see just how much it means to us to be in corporate worship with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And you know, I thought to myself this morning, and I'm glad Gordon is back, my amen or amen. Be praying for Brother Gordon's got some other things coming up, and I'm thankful that he's here this morning. Uh, but I thought to myself, you know, I was like, you know, with all the roads being so dirty, and I bet we've tracked a lot of dirt into our homes this week, amen? I thought, what a Sunday to have a good old foot washing. And so if you look under your pew, there's some foot washing bowls under there. Look at your neighbor, because you're going to be washing feet. Now, I'm just messing. I, I, I'm just messing, but I have been in a foot washing service before, and it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. But anyway, pray you have your Bible. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, as we talk about servant humility. I want to read a story to you real quickly. In 1904, this has been a while ago, in 1904, the heir to the Borden Dairy Estate, and everybody knows Borden, right? Borden Dairy. Listen to this story. William Borden graduated from Chicago High School a millionaire. His parents gave him a trip around the world. And during that trip, he became burdened for all the hurting people that he saw in Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. He made a decision to prepare for the mission field. And when he made that decision, he wrote in his Bible the words, two words, no reserve. Two words. When William Borden arrived at Yale University the next year as a college freshman, his passion for Jesus was already kindled. He was disappointed to find the school morally bankrupt and teachings filled with empty philosophy. So during his first semester, he asked a friend to begin praying with him before breakfast. And as a result of his leadership, other prayer groups began to spring up. And by his senior year, this is crazy, by his senior year, 1,000 of the 1,300 students were meeting in prayer groups. Many of those young leaders came to the Lord through that movement. Story's not done. Upon graduation, he was offered some high-paying jobs. And he turned those offers down and he continued to pursue God's will on his life. And while making those decisions, he wrote two more words in his Bible. The words, no retreat. So no reserve. And now he's written no retreat. When he completed his studies at Princeton Seminary, he sailed to China to work with the Muslims. 
And on his way, he stopped in Egypt to study Arabic. But there in Egypt, he was stricken with spinal meningitis, and within a month of the age of 25, he died. What his friends and family found written in his Bible was a great source of comfort. Added to the words previously written, no reserve, no retreat, were two more words that he added. No regrets. At the age of 25. No regrets. Church, I want to ask you this morning, this is in your, in your handout, this is in your study handout. Have you ever heard of the term bucket list? Now, I know there was a movie several years ago that made this quite the phenomenon, but the bucket list is a list of activities or accomplishments that people want to fulfill before they what? Before they kick, <laughs> before they kick the bucket, right? And it reminds me of this story because people usually enter into this bucket list idea of no reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. But I want to ask you this. Are you ready? And I want you to think about this, what you would do. If you had 12 hours to live, would your bucket list change? If you only had 12 hours to live, would you focus solely on yourself for those 12 hours? Would you want to be alone? Would you want to spend time in prayer? Would you want to spend time with the people that you love? What would you want to emphasize if you knew for a fact that you only had 12 hours or so left to live? What would you want to emphasize in those last few hours of your life? Well, what did Jesus do? Well, everybody is in awe. What did Jesus do? Well, I want you to look at your Bible this morning. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. And we're going to look at exactly what Jesus did do. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Listen to this story. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. What did he know? What did he know? His time was what? Time was coming to an end, right? And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water. <clears throat> into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, he answered Peter, Unless I wash you, you have no part 
with me. Then the Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath only needs his feet washed. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that what and that was why he said not every one of you was clean. And then verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also what? Wash one another's feet. And listen what Jesus says. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great day that you made. Thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. Father, thank you that we could get out of our, our driveways and come to church. Thank you for all the, the people, Lord, this week that have made that possible, dear God. And we thank you for their service. And Lord, as we're here today, Father, we've already got to sing of your praises. We've already got to sing of your, of your majesty. And God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you love us, Lord. And Father, you don't just love us in word, but Father, you love us in deed. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you open up the hearts of each and every person that's here, Lord. Father, there are Christians that are here that have been Christians for years. And Father, maybe we have forgot what it means to be a humble servant. Father, there are Christians that are, that are newbies, Lord. Father, they've not been Christians very long. And Lord, they're still trying to figure out their way and your, their will and their life. For, and God, what you want from them. And so, Father, I pray this morning for them. Lord, that they'll hear these words and understand what it means to be a humble servant. And Father, I pray this morning there are those that are here and those that are listening, maybe at home, that, Father, have never given their lives to Jesus. And right now they have no idea what it means to be a humble servant of Christ. But Father, maybe today can be a brand new day. And so, Lord, I pray this morning the Holy Spirit will speak to each and every individual that's here and listening at home. Lord, have your way today. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, said Amen. So here we are. We, we're Jesus. We're with the disciples. It's Thursday evening. Jesus is preparing to partake in the Passover meal with these men. And the Bible says that Jesus knew that it was his time to what? It's his time to go. And because of his love for them, he, he gets up from the meal, right? Now, nobody enjoys getting up from the meal, do they? When you've sat down and you've started to eat, the last thing you want to do is what? Is get up. But Jesus, it says, he gets up from the meal, he took off his cloak, and he put a towel around his waist, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, in first century Palestine, people would walk, they would walk long distances in sandals on roads that were filled with dirt and dust and garbage and even the feces of animals. So people's feet became extremely what? Dirty. A water basin set at the entrance of most Jewish homes. 
and upon entering the poor would wash their own feet, and the rich would have a servant available to do the job of washing others' feet. And usually beyond the arrival to someone's home, the host would arrange for someone to be available for feet washing. So why in the world would Jesus, this is what gets you to think, right? Why in the world would Jesus, the Messiah, the creator of the created, the Holy One, the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and the Omega, the Word that became flesh, the Son of God, why would He ever wash the feet? of his followers. Some believe Jesus washed their feet because there wasn't a servant available. And it certainly did not look like the disciples were going to take the lead role, did it? But Jesus performed this lowly act because he wanted them to become like who? To become like Jesus. He wanted them to become like the one who was willing to wash the feet of one that was about to betray him. Those that were about to walk out on him. Those whose actions that Jesus on that night, he set an example of what true Christ-like servanthood looked like. Can you imagine, you are Jesus, you're sitting down, you're getting ready to celebrate the Passover with these people, and you already know in your heart, as you look around that congregation that night, centered right between every single one of them, I know you're going to betray me. I know that you're going to deny me. I know that the rest of you are going to walk out in what? In fear. See, the majority of people, they wouldn't wash those people's feet. They would look at them and say, you are not worthy of my what? You are not worthy of my time, and you are not worthy of my love. I'm not going to wash your feet. But Jesus knew that he didn't just set the example, but Jesus was the example. He was the example. And he knew that these people, as marred in their fear as they were, was going to be the ones that would start a revolution of Christianity. That they were going to take the gospel to the world. And so this is what Jesus taught us, and this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. Number one is this. Servant humility begins with what? Preparation and action. Servant humility begins with preparation and action. Here's Jesus. The great example, right? He gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer clothing. He wraps a towel around his waist. He pours water in a basin. He begins to wash the disciples' feet. And he don't just wash the feet. Forgive my English. He dries them with the towel. He didn't just wash them. But he what? He dried them. Can you imagine this scenery? I want you to put yourself... In that room, at that very moment, the creator of the world and everything in it was about to wash the dirty feet of the created. He was never one to use his power, never one to, to, to show off his stature or his authority. Jesus empties himself by taking on a position of a non-Jewish slave, a position that was looked down upon all. But Jesus, the same man that rode into Jerusalem on the back of a lowly donkey, was now bending down to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, why would the Creator ever serve the created? Think about that. 
Why would Jesus lower himself to such humility? Well, I think there's a couple of points that you've got to realize, and this is on your outline. That first asterisk is this. It was a display of what? Of love. It was a display of love. And church, I want you to think about this. When you love someone, you are willing to serve someone. Amen? And Jesus is the type of individual that he didn't just look at someone and say, Love you, brother. Jesus said, I'm going to say that I love you, and I'm going to show that I what? That I love you. How do we show our love to our church family? Come on. It's not just by occupying a what? A seat. How do we show our love to our church family? Through our actions. Words can't mean a lot if they're not backed up with what? With actions. And Jesus backed it up. It was a display of love, but he ain't done. It was also a symbol of spiritual what? Spiritual cleansing. It was an act of spiritual cleansing. Anyone can wash your feet, but only one person can cleanse you and save you from your what? From your sins. Only one person can cleanse you and save you from your sins. And then the third asterisk is this. It was a clear picture of Christian expectation. It was a clear picture of Christian expectation. What I mean is this. Jesus did this with the expectation that we would be willing to do this for each what? For one another. Now, I've been in a foot washing service. I was raised up separate Baptist. That's what we did. We have a good old foot washing service every now and then. I'm not telling you that I look forward to it. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I did participate in it. And people will say, well, my goodness, Brother Donnie, why in the world would you ever want to be? I'm going to tell you something. It, it, it brings you down a little bit. Amen? you got to humble yourself to wash someone else's what? And not only do you got to humble yourself, but you got to do what? you got to get down. And there's a whole lot of us that don't like to what? That don't like to get down. But that's what Jesus did. This was an expectation that we would be willing to help each one another. Think about this. What preparations have we made to serve others with humble hearts? What preparations have we made to serve each other in our church? What preparations have we made to serve each other in our communities? These are things that we need to pray on. These are things that we need to think about and ponder about. And then number two is this. Servant humility understands the need to be washed by Jesus. It understands the need to be washed by Jesus. In verse 8, as Jesus approached Peter to wash his feet, what did Peter say? you got to love Peter because I'm a little bit like Peter. You know, there's some people in the Bible, you'll read them and you're like, yeah, you know what, that's Ruth. I'm a little bit like Ruth, right? Or I'm a little bit like Mary, or I'm, or I'm a little bit like Moses, or I'm a little bit like Abraham. I, I read sometimes in, in this, and I find myself being a little bit like Peter. And it's probably the Davis in me, I'm sure. But Peter always liked to talk sometimes before he thought, and he looks at Jesus and he says, You shall never wash my what? You're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. 
Peter had a problem of speaking before he thought, but Peter's response is quite normal considering Peter viewed Christ as the Son of God, and there was no way in this world that the Son of God was going to stoop so low to wash the dirty feet of Peter. But like Peter, most of us have a difficult time of understanding that a spiritual cleansing doesn't start with self, but a spiritual cleansing starts with who? It starts with Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't just washing Peter's feet, but but Jesus was also referring to a spiritual cleansing that Peter didn't understand at this moment, but after the resurrection of Jesus, he would soon learn. See, Jesus could easily have said this, unless I wash a person's sins away, one can have no part of me. Unless I wash your sins away, no one can have a part of me. See, this, this reminds me of a couple of things on your outline this morning. The first is this. We all need forgiveness. It only comes from who? From Jesus. Every single one of us needs forgiveness, and it's the only type of, the only person that can get it is who? It, it comes from Jesus. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for who? He died for you. Christ died for us. People can never be cleansed of their sin if they can never admit that they are sinners. And we know that from God's word that every single one of us is a what? Is a sinner. And Jesus told Peter, unless I wash you. And I want you to notice that he didn't look around the crowd and say, it's got to be John. It's got to be one of the other disciples. No, no, no. He looked at Peter and he said, unless who washes you? I, I have to be the one or you will have no part with me. See, this also reminds us of your next asterisk. When Jesus cleanses, guess what, folks? It's permanent, amen? When Jesus cleanses, it's a permanent cleansing. The initial cleansing that Jesus gives at one salvation is an act that doesn't need repeating. As Jesus tells Peter, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash their feet. His whole body is clean. And Peter, you are clean. You know, oftentimes people will come to me and they'll say, Well, Brother Donnie, if Jesus washes all of our sins away, then why do we constantly come to Jesus and ask him for what? For for forgiveness. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Let me ask you this. We know that our parents love us, right? We know that our children love us. We know that we love each what? Each other. But when someone does you wrong, how do you mend that relationship? You go to that person and you say, Father, what? Forgive me. Jesus is going to what? He's going to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. But that's you coming as a humble servant and you're telling God, Father, I've messed what? I have messed up, God. I have screwed up. And that's why this altar is here. People say, oh, this altar is here just to glorify the modern day preachers and the pastors, the entertainers. No, 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 no. I, this, is not with the, this isn't for me. These altars are for the church. Amen? This is where we come, and this is where we pray, and this is where we say, Father, I know I am a Christian, but Lord, I have messed what? I have messed up. And people will say, so Brother Knight, you don't believe that people lose their salvation? No, I do not. 
I do believe you can't lose something, though, that you never got to begin with. I believe that. I want you to think about this. When you are saved, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that you are sealed with the Holy what? With the Holy Ghost. So let me ask you this. If you got saved and if you got sealed, how in the world do you think you are strong enough to break that seal? Amen? Well, Brother Donnie, I messed up. So did I. The church, it's it's a hospital for sinners. Amen? Amen? That's what this is. We, we all know that we mess up. If you go to 1 John, John will tell you you think you're without sin. You're kidding yourself. 1 John was written to Christians. We all mess up. We all have our moments. And then Jesus told Peter, he says, you're, you're clean. Though not every one of you are clean. So this reminds me of the, your third asterisk. Jesus knows his what? His own Jesus knows his own. Even though, now church, follow me, because there's going to be some that, that, that I hope I don't lose, but I want you to follow me. Even though Judas had been baptized, even though Judas had had his feet washed by Jesus, even though Judas had been following Jesus for the last couple of years, there was something different about Judas. Something wasn't right. See, even though Judas had followed Jesus, he had never placed his faith in Jesus. He never placed his faith in Jesus. And his heart had not been changed. And Judas couldn't fool Jesus like he could fool the others. Why? Because Jesus looked into his what? Jesus looked into his heart. People will come to church for years and will sit in pews and people will think to themselves, I've been going to church with Susie, I've been going to church with John for 30 years, I know they're Christians. Well, let me tell you this, just because you're sitting in a pew doesn't make you a Christian. There has to be a heart change. There's got to be some admission in your life. There's got to be some believing, there's got to be faith. There's got to be some commitment. You've got to be a follower of Jesus, not just following his path like Judas did, but you've got to place your faith in Jesus. And see, that's something that Judas never did. And you may think to yourself, well, Brother Donnie, are there any examples of this? I want to give you one. You ready? Matthew 7, 22 through 23. There's a perfect example of this church, and I want you to hear every word that I'm about to say. Are you ready? Because some of us need to hear this, because here's what's happening in modern Christianity. Are you ready? We have decided, I am going to follow Jesus my way, and if he does not like it, then tough. You hear me? I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I don't care what the pastor says, the deacons say, the church leaders say, the Sunday school teachers say. I'm going to follow Jesus the way I want to follow Jesus no matter what else happens in my life. And if he wants to get on board, he can. And if he don't, well, tough. I pray this isn't one of you all. Because listen to these words. Many will say to me on that day, Lord... Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I would tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. People that said they taught in Jesus' name. 
people that said they drove out demons in Jesus' name. And Jesus looks at them and he says, depart from me, I never what? You know why? Because they may have had a mouth change, but they never had a what? They never had a heart change, folks. They never had a heart change. And then the third thing that Jesus taught the disciples as well as us is this. Servant humility will always be a what to others? It's always going to be an example. It's always going to be an example to others. Jesus expressed two things that the disciples needed to know, and not just for them, but we need to know these as well. Number one is this. The servant of Jesus needs to be what? Active. The servant of Jesus needs to be what? Active. You would, it would blow your mind the amount of people that I have pastored over the last 12 and a half to 13 years that come to me and say, Brother Donnie, I'm going to fill a pew, but don't ask me to be. Say it. Active. Why? Are you still living? Are you still breathing? Are you still walking and talking? then why in your mind have you decided that this is not going to be you? Tell me. You know why? Because we're getting to the point where we tell God, I'm going to do it my what? My way. I'm going to do it my way. And I don't care what that preacher says or what anybody else says. Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash others what? Wash someone else's feet. And as a servant of Jesus, uh, the servant of Christ isn't just a follower of Christ, but a servant of Christ is on mission with Jesus and with other what? Other Christians. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 or 5, Michael probably knows this by heart now, bless his heart. Michael Brackett been teaching uh, on Corinthians now for 45 years. B.B. McCormick was here, he'd be proud of us, Amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Why do we do what we do? We do it for Jesus. We do it for each other. And then number two, we know how to serve others because He first what? He first served us. He first served us. So we know how to serve each other because Jesus first served who? He served us. I want to tell you a story. You ready? During the American Revolution, a man in civilian clothes, he, he rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions but making no attempt to help them. And asked why, uh, by the writer, he retorted with great dignity. He said, sir, I'm a corporal. The stranger apologized, dismounted, and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. The job done, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. Well, guess who that man was? George Washington. That was George Washington. We learn how to serve others because Jesus first served who? He first served us. In verse 15, Jesus said, I set an example that you should do 
as I have done for you. I set this example. And there's no way that I can ever be Jesus. There is no way that any of you can ever be Jesus. But Jesus never asked us to be him, did he? He just asked us to pick up our cross and follow him and serve him and others. In the world that we live in today, church, I want you to think about this. You ready? In the world that we live in today, we are okay sacrificing ourselves for ourselves as long as there's something to what? To gain. To gain. In all honesty, we like others to serve us. We like others to answer to us, and many like the authority, many like the prestige. But listen to what Jesus said in Mark 10. He said, not so with you. He's talking to us, he's talking to the church. He says, oh no, no, not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Think about those words. The creator of the world, he did not come to be served. But he said, I came to serve who? I came to serve you. And you, and you, and you, and everyone else in this world. And then the last one is this. Serving humility is a trait that turns into a what? A blessing. It's a trait that turns into a blessing. I tell you the truth, he says, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be what? Blessed if you what? If you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. Jesus basically telling his disciples if he could stoop low and wash their nasty feet, or are any of them better than he was? Are we to hold ourselves to a higher standard than Jesus? Are we to hold ourselves to a higher standard than the one who gave his life on a cross? Are we to hold ourselves to a higher standard who stooped down and washed the feet of Judas who betrayed him or to Peter who denied him three times in one night or to the others that fled in fear? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi and he said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than your Could you imagine if we lived in a world like that? Could you imagine if we lived in a world like Jesus had planned for us? You know, I I got into a conversation this week, and, and I don't normally do this when it comes to some politics and other things going on in our world. But I got into a conversation with someone this week, and I just asked them, I said, you know, I said, putting economic systems aside, I said, if Jesus was ruling this earth and the United States, I said, what would you think he would want us to do? Well, what do you mean? Well, Jesus says man should work. But Jesus also says that we should help our brothers and our sisters in what? In need. 
Could you imagine if we just threw out words and threw out politics and we actually started living the life that Jesus wanted us to live? How big a difference would it make, folks? I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Well, what are you? I'm a follower of Jesus. That's, that's, that's how I want to be remembered. That's how I want to be remembered, right? Not by some party affiliation. I want to be remembered by a heavenly affiliation. But we ain't never going to get there if we can't be who he wants us to be. So how can we be like Jesus? Well, if, if serving humility wasn't beneath Jesus, then it's certainly not beneath who? It's not beneath us. So I want to give you a couple ways. Are you ready? These asterisks that's in your sermon outline. I want, to give you, I want to give you a couple ways that we can be more like Jesus. Well, Jesus says we need to have the right what? Have the right motivation. And listen to me, church. You're not going to have the right motivation if you've not had a heart change. Amen? You're not going to have the right motivation if your heart hasn't changed. You're going to stay puffed up. You're going to stay answered up. And you're just going to stand straight up. Amen? If you've never had a heart change, you're never going to have the right motivation. We serve others because of love. Amen? That's why we do the things that we do. And then Jesus says we should have the right what? Now, I talked about this last year for three months. Amen? Ain't that right, Brother Erty? We should have the right what? We've got to have the right attitude. We serve others with humility. This is why we do what we do. You've got to have the right attitude. Do you have the right attitude? And church, listen to me. Over the last 12 months of our existence, people are hurting. Amen? People are hurting spiritually, they're hurting socially, they're hurting economically, and they've heard all of this fear, and they've heard all of this anger, and they've seen all of this anger. We've seen enough. People need to see Jesus. And it starts with the church. Quit looking at others. It starts with us. they got to see us making a difference. In some form or some fashion. And then lastly, Jesus says we serve like He served. And if we serve like He served, then we will be what? Doesn't everybody love to be blessed? Amen? Everybody in this church, well, if you want to scream it or, 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 or barely say, blessed. Every single one of us likes to be what? We like to be blessed. We like for our homes to be blessed. We like for our children to be blessed. We want our church family. To be blessed. Someone asked you, you ready? Has Jesus ever washed your feet? Answer that question right now to yourself. Has he ever washed your feet? Do you know what it means to be spiritually cleansed by Jesus? Are there some sins in your life that you need to come and pray about right now? And say, Father, cleanse me of these. Lord, take these from me. See, I believe Jesus gives us all a spiritual towel once we become Christians. My question is, is how dirty is yours? How dirty is yours? Are you willing to serve Jesus for other people? 
For many people, being a servant of humility isn't on their bucket list, is it? It's not there. But when we serve Jesus in humility, I firmly believe we are storing up blessings in where? In heaven. Church, hear this. Life is short. Amen? This life is short. So how can we open our hearts to Jesus? And how can we open our hearts to one another? I want to be a church that people know that we serve in humility. I want to be a church that people know that we're going to love them. I want to be a church family that when people look around, we're not afraid to get our towels dirty. Amen? Now the question is, are you with me? Are you with me? As Billy comes and we sing this morning, this is your time of invitation. I know the Holy Spirit is working this morning. I know God has been talking to people. I know God has been knocking on some doors this morning. The question is, are you going to respond? Are you going to let Jesus change your heart? Are you going to let Jesus change your attitude? Are you going to let Jesus use you? So as we stand this morning and as we sing, will you come?